On the difference God's love makes and our need to grow in it, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. What makes a crowd the Church of Jesus Christ is His precious blood forgiving us of our sins and His love flowing through our lives. God wants to soften your heart in that area, make you more loving, and for some of you to make you more lovable. (laughs) Just to let God wipe away some of those rough edges in your life. We all have them. It's not a cool thing to be, that guy's rough around the edges. Don't worry, God's polishing me out, man. He's working through it. I won't be so rough over time, because God's good that way. This is amazing grace. It's been well said, people won't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So we don't want to be like porcupines who have many fine points but prickly. To speak the truth in love is the way to go. That's the encouragement ahead of us on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll get that from Romans chapter 15. Last time, we began to consider the great need for God's love that exists all around us. Here with more is Pastor Ed. I don't care where you go, on your street, on my street, on our neighborhoods, there are people that are lost and dying and going to hell. And we have the answer of hope in their lives. We don't need to go do any polls and what do you guys, what what is it that you would like to see in a church? I want to poll Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to see in your church? I don't want to ever end up like the church in Ephesus. Full of good works, lots of great things going on, but they left their first love. No, no, we just want to stay simple. We want to stay consistent. Simply teaching the word, simply loving the people, simply serving Jesus. Just simplicity of heart. A long introduction, I know. But painting a picture of what Rome, the church in Rome was going through here in chapter 15. They're just like you and me. They had their own issues. Except for the church in Rome, they didn't get to go to another church. There wasn't another church in Rome. It was just one. Before all the divisions and denominationalism and all that stuff, the church in Rome was it. And that's who Paul's writing to when he says in verse 1, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. The strong. He's speaking to the mature. Remember in chapter 14, he talked about the strong and the weak, how they were having difficulties over diets and days, and now he's addressing, okay, you guys that are strong, and we all think we're strong, right? We hear that, we go, I'm a strong, me and Paul, we're the strong ones. Okay, okay, that's fine. If you believe you're strong, you're a strong believer, you're a mature believer, this is for you. It's important that you're patient with the weaker ones. That's what he's saying. That you bear with. You can circle that word bear Bear with that phrase. It literally means to bear up under pressure. That it's going to be difficult. You could also write next to it, persevere. Persevere. Don't quit. Don't quit. But steady on. You're going to get through this. Don't quit on the weaker believers. But be there for them. Notice, so that we don't please ourselves. So different the message of the gospel than the message of the world. 
Don't please yourselves, the world says, please yourself. Don't think too highly of yourselves. What does the world say? Think highly of yourself. And we got this battle in our minds. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, no, don't please yourself. Don't please yourself. Think of others. Take care of others. Because the Romans, they had strong believers. They had weak believers. And the weaker had a hard time with Christian liberty. The stronger didn't have patience. And they judged hypocritically the weaker. And the weaker began to despise. And there was a lot of junk going on. And it wasn't good. Let me show you what this looks like in action. Look at, just turn the page a couple, turn your Bible a couple pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you what this looks like. Paul, he writes to the Romans, but he also lives it out. And so you strong believers, you mature believers, a mark of maturity is that you're patient with the weaker brothers, the new believers, the, those that might not see things the way you do, those that have little differences, those that came from a different background than you, those that are in a different social background, social strata, those that work at a different place, those that have different financial, all the differences that those strong believers, we bear with one another, we're patient with one another, we persevere with one another. And notice verse 19 of chapter 9, it says, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, Paul says, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ. So he said, I didn't compromise. I didn't throw away my Christian morals. I just related to them on their level. Now in verse 22, though, notice, to the weak... I became as weak so that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. Paul did it. He was able to adapt his life to his audience to get the message of the gospel into their lives so that he might win them. Just like God is doing with you. He takes you out into the world. You relate to different people with your personality, your upbringing, who you are in the Lord. And in that relational life, you reach a lot of people in the name of Jesus Christ without compromise. It's awesome. So back in Romans, he says, you stronger believers, bear up. Bear up. Persevere. Don't quit. How is that possible? Well, the Bible speaks of God's agape love flowing through your life. That's the solution. God's love. Love makes room in grace for each other, both strong and weak. And despite all the minimal differences we may have over non-essential things, in those differences, what is most important is that we worship the same Lord, we're going to face the same judgment, and we have the same motivation to honor God. And so there may even be other congregations within our city that, that we don't see eye to eye with on every area of doctrine. Okay, We want to be very careful. We want to be very careful in who we allow to teach or oversee. But it doesn't mean they're not brothers or sisters in the Lord. We just want to prevent confusion. We want to prevent the enemy from using something to bring confusion to a healthy body. And so those who are strong ought to bear with the scruples or the weaknesses of the week. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, leading to building one another up. Be careful here because Paul is not saying to become a people pleaser. He's not saying, oh, just go around pleasing people. The Bible says that those who have a fear of man, people pleasing, the fear of man brings a snare and a trap. Here's the problem with people pleasing. 
When you and I seek to please people, what we're really trying to do is gain their approval. We're trying to get approval from people. And so we'll run over, will you approve of me? Yes. Will you approve of me? Yes. And so we'll do whatever we need to do with whatever people we are to try to please people. But I have come to learn, and I know you have too, and if you haven't, I hope you do soon. But I've come to learn that being a people pleaser leads to nothing but frustration and discouragement. And on top of that, I have found that it's much easier to please the Lord than it is to please people any day of the week. See, when you seek to please the Lord, then you gain his approval. You already have it. The Bible says that you are approved. The Bible says that you are accepted. The Bible says that you're adopted, that you're his kid. He does approve of you. And I know that I know that life sometimes gives us some really big lumps. And some of you might have grown up in a home or in an environment where no one ever praised you. You were never lifted up. You were never encouraged. You didn't have anyone say to you, I'm proud of you, son. Good job, daughter. And it scarred you. I mean, it's a wound that you deal with right now. You didn't gain approval of perhaps your parents or those that were close to you. And so it set you off into life to want to get that approval from other people. The only problem is, is that when you seek to gain the approval of man, you lose. You lose time. You lose resources. Sometimes you lose credibility. The Bible says that if your ways please the Lord, do you know that he can even make your enemies be at peace with you? That you can spend your time wanting to please God, and God, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. God will begin to work out relationship issues in your life. So he's not saying to be a people pleaser. He's saying, look, build people up. Seek to see how you might help someone become better in their life. See how you might be able to help them grow in grace. Build them up. Edify them. Not a people pleaser. You know, some people have said, it's another saying of our world, love is blind. No, it's not. Love has its eyes wide open. Love has its eyes wide open and sees all the junk in someone's life and loves them anyway. Love has its eyes wide open and makes room for differences and difficulties and we all come together to Jesus Christ to try to work them out. Love has its eyes wide open. And eyes wide open will lead you away from self and toward wanting to help someone else. Notice the example, verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He is the example. He said in John chapter 13, you can jot it down in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How? As I have loved you that you also should love one another. A church family, a church, if you will, like ours, that's full of bitterness and gossip and backbiting and all kinds of junk, let me just tell you, is not very attractive to the world. They can get that in the world. They do get that in the world. But a church filled with the agape love of God is very attractive. It blows people's minds. I remember walking into a church very much like this, a rank heathen don't even know why I was in church didn't really even want to be there I walked into a church very much like this and although I didn't have the vocabulary to describe it and I didn't understand it I could tell there was something special going on I could tell just you could just see it you could feel it it was palpable I didn't know how to describe it and have any theological words I didn't have a bible but I could tell these guys are serious about this 
That pastor up there, he's pretty serious about the Bible. There's a genuine love. I'd see somebody over in the corner. There'd be a little group praying over there. And, and I'd see someone over there with tears streaming down there. And I'd see people respond to the gospel. And I could tell this is, this is something special, even though I don't know what it is. Do you know when I walk in this congregation, I can see the same thing. But I know what it is now. I can see it. It's obvious. This church is a church of love. It's filled with the love of God. Not perfect. It's not like we've hit the level of the limit of love, man. We are a love church, you know. <laughs> No, 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 no. I could just tell this is regular people love Jesus Christ. They love each other, working through things together, serving the Lord. I mean, just the serve, just those of you that serve here. You work full time. You're, you know, working overtime and extra days, but you're still faithful serving in the church. I mean, that's love. That's motivated by love. You love the Lord and you love the people of this church and it, we appreciate What a blessing to see the fruit from your life. To know that your motivation is just to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind. So maybe you're not serving here in the church yet, but in life, you're sold over to the things of the Lord. Why? Because you love. You give preference to one another. I mean, what's a church without love then? I mean, what's a church without the agape love flowing through us? Well, I guess you could call it a gathering. You know, I guess you could call it a social club, an audience, a multitude, a crowd. But it's not the church of Jesus Christ because what makes a crowd the church of Jesus Christ is his precious blood forgiving us of our sins and his love flowing through our lives. God wants to soften your heart in that area, make you more loving And for some of you to make you more lovable. (laughs) Just to let God wipe away some of those rough edges in your life. We all have them. It's not a cool thing to be, that guy's rough around the edges. Don't worry, God's polishing me out, man. He's working through it. I won't be so rough over time. Because God's good that way. Not being a people pleaser. Just loving, caring, serving, giving. Not fighting, not arguing, not church splitting and name calling and causing confusion. And Don't please yourself. Please the Lord. Give yourself wholly over to him. Step out in his agape love. Look out for your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Build them up. No other motive than just love. Paul would say that the love of God constrains him. No other motive. You give out that little card with information on our church. The only motive is love. You invite someone over for dinner. It's just love. You open your home for a home. It's just love of God. It's amazing that the Lord would use us. We are a blessed and privileged people to be used to the Lord in these last days. That God would have his hand upon us and entrust to us the riches of the gospel. And then give us the opportunity to get involved in other people's lives. It's amazing. What a privilege. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2, would you? Just one final word on selfishness and selflessness. Selfish ambition is at the core of fallen humanity, you know. A selfish ambition is describing the person who wants his way regardless of who else is hurt, who wants her way no matter who stepped on, who wants his way and will get it no matter what the consequences are. There's no thought to any consequence when we are caught up in selfishness. And so Paul says, verse 3, chapter 2, let nothing, 
be done. Now, does your Bible say nothing? It does. Mine does too. That's an interesting word in the Greek. If you looked it up, you know what you would find? You know what it means? Nothing. That's what it means. It's very simple. Let nothing in your life, make that your aim, nothing in your life be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Circle the word conceit, draw a little arrow into the margin, you can write this. Pride. A high value or high esteem of self at the price of someone else. Pride. Pride's tripped many of us up, hasn't it? Pride. It's so frustrating, pride. It's so true. The longer you go in unconfessed sin and pride, the harder pride gets, the more strong it gets, the bigger wall of pride that gets built up. And it's just, Lord, soften my heart. I don't want to be trapped by pride. So don't let anything be done by selfishness, your ambition, pride, but in lowliness of mind, let each of us esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That really is the root of a thriving fellowship family, that we're just looking out for one another. We're just taking care of each other. We're blessing one another. I met a woman for first service. She wanted to introduce herself to me. She's brand new to the church, first day today. She's a widow, lost her husband two and a half years ago, and just really dealing with stuff. She loves the Lord, reads her Bible every day, listens in on the radio, but really not wanting fellowship. One of the things that she noticed as she was going to Safeway is that the parking lot's full every time she go to Safeway here. And the parking lot spoke to her. God used the parking lot to speak to her. So, you know, something going on in there. Why are so many people there? What's going on over there? You know, you really need other believers. You really need to be in a place where they can minister. You know, you really need. And so today she went through her normal routine. She was sharing this with me. Today she went through her normal routine this morning. She got up, started to read her Bible, and the Lord impressed upon her, you need to get up and get out of the house. She said, where? You need to go to that church. And without hesitation, she comes in, she sits in the back, she meets someone in the back. That person begins to minister to her, begins to encourage her. And I get to meet her as I'm walking through and and learn of the, the pain that she's been going through as a widow, the things that she's facing. Married 24 plus years, she was. And just suddenly losing her husband. Not being able to really deal with it for two and a half years. At the right time, God drops her at the right place, in the right chair, next to the right woman, in the right place, just to be ministered to. And then it just so happens that the person that oversees our grief share ministry happened to be here within eyeshot. We were able, within a matter of minutes, to not only begin to encourage her, but to connect her with the right people that will be able to serve her. It's amazing. That's your church. And you see, if we go off track, we're going to miss out. If we become selfish, we're going to miss out. If we get caught up in self, and we're going to miss out on... I mean, does God care about one person? I think so. If that's all that happened today, I'd be so content and joy the Lord would be my strength. But you know that so much more happens in a day like this. So many more freedoms. So many more... You know, sometimes I say, man, if you could just sit on the other side of my desk and hear all the pain. But I also say, if you could just sit and be on my side of the fence, if you will, and hear all the good 
that God is doing, it would bless you too. It would encourage you. Hearing the bad would warn you. Hearing the good would encourage you. So be careful, church. Make room for each other in the grace of God. Give preference to one another. Be in a place where you know that you know you're where you need to be, that this is your church family. You plant your roots down deep. You bear fruit under the kingdom of God. You persevere through tough times. You hang on. You make room for each other when we're going through things together. And at the end of the day, you know what? God will receive all the glory for the great things he has done. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And we've been studying Romans today. Pastor Ed, you just spoke of the love of God that's so attractive, especially to unbelievers. Now, how is that fostered in the church? You know, Larry, that's a great question. As we step back in this upside-down world that seems to be filled with so much hate and lovelessness, that the church is actually the place. And don't think of it, so you guys listening, and don't think of it as the building. Think of it as the people is that the church is the people that love should be fostered among us. And one of the things I like to share with our church is that this is the place among one another that we get to practice on one another, that we get to practice on one another in order to be better equipped and ready to love those in our community and love those that we love, like our coworkers, our bosses, our family. How's it to be fostered? It's to be fostered by abiding in Christ. And that's no easy answer. It's the reality of surrendering our rights and our privileges, uh, what we think we deserve, and we surrender them at the foot of the cross, knowing that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, forgiving us, past, present, and future. And as we remember all that God has done for us, because abiding, you know, means to stay put, to, to remain in. And as I remain in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm then able to extend what I've received to others. You know, put it this way, Jesus summed it all up for us very easily. He said, the whole law and the prophets is summed up in this, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that comes first. Our relationship that is vertical, vertical always comes first, and it always starts with God. He's the initiator. But then we're to love one another, and we're to love our neighbors, ourselves, and that that's our horizontal relationships. And many times I find love isn't fostered because we're horizontally trying to get this, trying to get that, trying, trying to fix this, put out fires, but what we need to be doing is abiding in Christ. Let me give you one simple example in any relationship, but let's look at it in the marriage relationship. In your mind right now, as you're driving along, draw a triangle in your mind, and at the top of that triangle, at the pinnacle, you put the name Jesus Christ. And then on the left-hand side, on the bottom, you put your name. And then on the right-hand side, you put your spouse's name or a friend. And a lot of times, the the relationship, the arguments, trying to build on things is going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And nobody's making any progress toward the Lord. But notice, as you both choose to go toward Jesus at the pinnacle... As you get closer to Jesus, the distance between you gets smaller. And so I think the key is to really abide in Christ and watch him work out his agape love in our lives. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. And listening friend, remember, you can access this study in Romans online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
Each month, we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord. And here in August, it's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. It's not hard to see that racial tension is high in America today. And maybe you're wondering, is there hope for a racially divided nation? I'm glad to say there is. In the third option, Pastor Miles shares what that is and encourages the reader to rise above the issues that divide us and be part of something bigger. You'll also be challenged to fully embrace God's goodness and power. To get a copy of the third option for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number 877-30-GRACE. Join us next time as we study through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor and learn of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.